This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Happy Batman Day, everybody. Welcome to I Am Gotham. My name is Martin Ferretti. And a show where we are exploring the Batman family books from 1939 to present, which will be done here in, uh, I don't know, about the year 2100. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, so today, the day that this is released, is Batman Day, September 17th. And it's just a, just a cool celebration of the character. It started a couple of years ago for the Batman 75th anniversary. And uh, DC does a lot of events tied in with local comic shops, with Barnes & Noble and a few other places. So if you have a, a shop near you, a Barnes & Noble near you, go there. Uh, celebrate, have a good time. Um, there's, there's stuff that everybody's giving away. Uh, I know Barnes & Noble has an exclusive Batman number one from uh, the, the Rebirth era, Tom King's Batman number one. So go check that out. I think those are limited to one per store. And by the time you hear this, Batman Day might be over. So if it is, then you missed out. You should prepare next year. I guess I should prepare next year and tell you a week before it happens. But, uh, yeah, pretty exciting. Batman Day. I, of course, I'm releasing this episode today. I read a, a bunch of Batman. For this episode, I'm covering Detective Comics number 35 to 38. And I am also talking about Batman Volume 1, number 1 first appearance of the Joker. So that is very exciting. But uh, if you want to fill your ear holes with more Batman, then you should go check out the latest Gotham by Geeks. I was on there this week with uh, Daryl and Chris and Russ and Chris's dad popped in for a little bit. So that was, that was cool to uh, get to talk to somebody that was into Batman back in the sixties, which we're not there yet on this podcast, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, I don't know, probably in like a year or so. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Um, I want to kick off just by thanking everybody for uh, the support on this podcast. It's uh, It's been real fun. You know, I do I do a whole bunch of other podcasts, so um, I guess I'm lucky enough where I have somewhat of a built-in audience for the show because people know me from other shows. But uh, it's it's been really nice to see some new people pop in and listen to this and enjoy it and get those comments on, on Twitter. Um, Twitter is, of course, the best place to catch me. Uh, you can send me a message at Geekvine. But email's good as well. I got one email from uh, my good buddy Rob, who does the Comic Book Booster Club. So check that out as well. And uh, I'm going to kick off the, the episode with that. Because he had some uh, interesting points that maybe I kind of glossed over on the first episode. But he says, just finished listening to the episode. First things first, where did you find a full digital copy of Tech 27? So to tie in with this, Chris Campbell from Gotham by Geek said to make sure that I tell everyone that Detective 27 is free to download digitally on Comixology. So if you didn't want to spend a buck to buy it for whatever reason, you can get it for free on Comixology. It is just the Batman story. It doesn't have all the other backups. So that's where Rob's question comes in. And I guess I can say that I acquired it from somebody who had one. Uh, you can take that as you will. But for some reason, they don't, they don't put out any of these backup stories for Detective um, on, on anything that you can find. Um, I was talking to Chris on Gotham by Geeks last night. He thinks that maybe some of them were reprinted once, uh, just the stuff in, in Tech 27. Um, but 
we couldn't quite figure out where that was, so it might not be available, I don't know. If you are internet savvy, you can certainly find a copy of this. I'm not condoning it, but you can, if you want, go find them and read them. They are, uh, they are very interesting, especially from a comic book uh, pers uh, history perspective. It's, uh, it's, it's something cool to read, even if they're not the, the best stories. I mean, I, they're from the 30s, right? So the comic book medium has evolved quite a bit since the 30s. But at least just to read them once, I think it's, uh, it's something that you can do. Again, I'm not condoning it. So uh, that's where I got uh, my copy, Rob. From a friend, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. But I gotta tell you, whoever whoever scanned that copy of Detective Twenty Seven, uh, you are a brave, very brave man or woman, sir or ma'am. Uh, I would not, if I owned a copy of Tech Twenty Seven, put it on a scanner. Anyways, so that's that's his first part of the email. Um, then he says, "I like the inaugural episode. It'll be interesting to see you go on this journey through Batman's history." Historical aspect of the podcast is my favorite part. I find it fascinating to hear that issue 31st, first, or 34 first told the origin and when the Batarang first appeared, etc. Keep that up. It's great hearing how Dr. Death was the first recurring villain. Great information. And he was, but it's so weird that they just wouldn't use him. I think I mentioned that last episode. Because they, they introduce him as, like, the nemesis, right? But then you don't see him for, like, I don't know, 30 years, 40 years. It's so weird. Uh, that they would do that. But again, a lot of those stories were kind of one-off. This is a part of the email I really liked. Also, I think you need to keep a kill count. So yes, I am going to start keeping a kill count. I'm not going to recount the kill count in every episode because uh, pretty soon there's not going to be as many people getting killed. I think they realized fairly early on that maybe they shouldn't be just killing people left and right, uh, having Batman kill people. Uh, same with the gun. Uh, you start seeing the gun a little bit less. But, you know, he always had that gun in his utility belt, just in case. Uh, you should break it up by Golden Age, Silver Age, Post-Crisis, and New 52. I would find that very interesting. Um, I'm still thinking about that. I, I really want to stick to the chronological thing. I, I will be referencing some stuff that comes later um, in, in modern times. Because uh, I think that's what most people listening to this or most people are reading Batman now would be more used to. You know, unless you've been reading Batman for, you know, say 20, 30 years. Um, or, you know, even if you started fairly recently and got the bug to go and, and collect some of the older stuff. I think uh, a lot of stuff kind of goes by the wayside for many fans. They just kind of like what they're in now and forget or kind of want to forget some of the older stuff. Maybe not one. One's probably not the right word. Maybe they just don't care as much because it's older stuff. And uh, I think that's a that's a point that has come up on, on a few shows that I've heard recently, different podcasts, where you, know, you always hear people... I know we got this quite a bit when Suicide Squad, the movie, came out. Um, and I, I'm, I kind of fell into this because for me, Harley Quinn is and always has been the Harley Quinn from the animated series. And the stuff that DC has done with Harley Quinn, in my mind, is not the Harley Quinn that I want. Obviously, I'm in the minority because if most people felt that way, I don't think that the book would sell as well as it does or the character would be as popular as it is. But you know, to me, I really enjoy that earlier Harley Quinn. 
it's it's also a little bit darker. I think you know she has become a little bit more of a joke. I'll say joke, quote unquote. But it's like a Daredevil thing, or not Daredevil, Deadpool, right? Where Deadpool shows up in every book, and he's always just doing stupid things, and uh, it's it's very meta, right? So it references a lot of other comics and makes fun of them. And Harley Quinn has been that for DC for for quite some time now. So for those of you wondering, I don't enjoy the Harley Quinn book as much as some others. I know Mike really loves it, Mike Myers, but uh, I'm I'm not a big fan of it. I still read it because it's it's DC and you know whatever. I like to read everything, but uh, yeah, I wish I want to see some more stuff in in that early Harley era. And uh, you know it could definitely be done. There's so many like Elseworlds Batman stories. Um, there is that Elseworlds trade collection volume one, which is really really good. It's got some great stories in there, and they're finally starting to reprint a lot of those. I know there's there's a volume two Elseworlds Batman Elseworlds coming in October, I think it is. So just a few weeks, and I will be picking that up. And I know they solicited a volume three as well. So I don't think I have most of the Elseworlds in floppies. Um, my, you know, when I decided to start collecting Batman, I, I kind of wanted to do Batman proper and detective more than anything else. So a lot of the Bat family stuff I don't have a lot of the Elseworlds stories I don't have. Um, I do have quite a few, but uh, not all of them. So it'll be nice to have some of the stuff that I'm missing in trade because I am really enjoying buying trades lately. They just they look nice on the bookshelf. I think they read a little bit better. A lot of stories read better in trade, especially when they're collecting uh, something like events. Yeah, and Batman is well known for big, long, drawn-out events. Uh, Nightfall, I'm, I'm looking at you. Uh, you know, that whole era is like one big event, right, if you think about it. Going from, from Nightfall to No Man's Land to all the stuff that came after. Um, so they, they do read pretty well in trade. Uh, that is coming out in October, so whenever it comes out, I'll be sure to make an announcement uh, so you can go out and buy it. I did make a purchase this week because I was listening to Gotham by Geeks. Uh, I can't remember if it was the last episode or the episode before, um, but Russell was talking about Legends of the World's Finest, and I had never heard of this book. But apparently it was a three-part series that came out uh, sometime in the 90s, I think early 90s. And it's a, a Batman-Superman story. And it just seemed really interesting. So I went out and I got the trade on Amazon. So go listen to Gotham by Geeks where they talk about that. Whenever I get it in, I might go ahead and talk about it on this show. Uh, I've, I've been thinking about it a little bit. And I might sprinkle in some of the Elseworlds stories uh, throughout the series because obviously, you know, otherwise I'm not going to get to them for maybe a few years until I get to the nineties when a lot of these were coming out. But, uh, yeah, I might sprinkle some of those in throughout. We'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll think about it. If you want me to talk about Elseworld stories though, let me know. Just find me on Twitter, email me hello at nerdylegion.com. And, uh, I will heavily consider it because I love, I love any Elseworld stories. And some of the Batman ones are incredible. Some of them are kind of crappy too, but 
there are some really, really good ones uh, with relation to the Batman family. So, yeah, that's that. I guess we can uh, get started on the books for this week. Again, I'm discussing Detective Comics 35 through 38 and, of course, Batman number one. Oh, I almost forgot to finish this email. Uh, he, it, Rob ended the email with, lastly, Alfred Stryker fell into the acid vat at the end of Detective 27. Who's to say that it wasn't he that became the Joker? Hmm. That's, uh, that's interesting, Rob. Actually, that's really interesting. Because who is to say that it's not Joker? We don't, we don't know the Joker's real name. Uh, we learned, spoiler alert, if you haven't been keeping up with Batman, Justice League... But in um, during that Dark Side War thing that uh, Jeff Johns did on Justice League, uh, pre-rebirth, the end of New Fifty Two, Batman gets in the Mobius chair, and he wants to know who the Joker is, and he knows who the Joker is. The Mobius chair tells him, but we don't know who it is. But the chair does show him three different Jokers. And I think that's really fascinating because the, the three Jokers were in three very distinct styles um, that we do see. Like if you if you go back and read older Batman stuff, you can kind of identify what era of Batman those styles are from. So I think uh, I think it'll be very interesting to see if they ever come back to that. If we do see who these Jokers are and whether Alfred Stryker is one of the Jokers, I don't know. I mean, if he is, he. Uh, he lost some serious weight, man, I'm telling you. That vat must have burnt all that fat. But, uh, yeah, who, who knows? Who knows? I think it'd be interesting. I I don't even know if I would want to know who the Joker is, to be honest with you. It's like that whole thing uh, in the 90s and 2000s when we, we started getting... Uh, well, I guess it started before that. It probably started with Weapon X. Um which is a fantastic series with amazing Barry Windsor Smith art. But uh, when you start getting Wolverine's background story about who he really is and where he really comes from, it, I don't know, something was lost for me. You know, it's kind of like not knowing a, a character's background makes it somewhat more interesting for some characters, I think, at least. And by that point, Wolverine had really just been established for so long and such a strong character. But there was always that thing where, well, who really is he? Where does he come from? And I feel like the Joker would be the same way. I think knowing where the Joker comes from would kind of ruin some of the magic. you know? Because if, it almost feels like even Joker doesn't know who he is, right? He, he's told his origin story a hundred thousand times. Right, we've we've seen the thing with the bat. We've seen the the, the Red Hood story, um, and that's that's been told and retold. But it's always a little bit differently, and even when he's telling it, it's a little bit differently. So I think I think that's fascinating, you know. And, and the Joker's so crazy, I guess, you know, so delusional that to actually get a real story, it might not even be as good or interesting or exciting as what we've come to know and love. So I do hope they never tell that origin story, at least. Just uh, just keep them kind of 
mythical. I think that's that's more exciting. All right. Thanks, Rob, for the email. Thanks, everybody else who commented. Um, I, I'd go through a list, but I didn't make a list, so my bad. Um, I think I got like uh, I got two or three emails, and I got quite a few comments on Twitter. So thank you, everybody who commented, and I will definitely be uh, doing emails on every episode. So feel free to send me an email or comment or whatever, and I will discuss at the beginning of the show. So now that we're 15 minutes in, I was not planning that, guys. I'm sorry. Let's let's finally get to the books. So first up, we have Detective Comics, Volume 1, number 35. It's from January 1940. And, uh, boy, <laughs> this story is actually really, really fun. Um, there's not much of interest here. Uh, in terms of Batman history, but uh, it is the first time we see a blue Batmobile. Uh, prior to this issue, the Batmobile was red, which uh, is really an odd choice because <laughs> there's no red in Batman's costume. So I don't know why he would pick red. Not only that, everyone knows that uh, red is the worst color car to have because uh, that's what the cops look for when you're, when you're speeding, right? They pull over red cars. Anyways, but yeah, this is the first blue Batmobile. Um, it looks a little bit different. Um, not much different. It's still the same type of car, I believe. But um, I still don't know what kind of car it is, by the way. I know I mentioned that last episode. But I know there's got to be some Bat freak out there that is also a car freak. So find out, let me know. But let's talk about issue number 35. Um, it starts off like we've been seeing in previous issues with... Uh, Bruce Wayne hanging out at Commissioner Gordon's house because that's what they do. They just they're buddies, so they hang out together. And uh, a man man named Sheldon Lennox shows up and asks for Commissioner Gordon's help because somebody's after him. Apparently, there's this Hindu idol or Hindu god idol of destruction, uh, the god Killa, I believe it is, and. Uh, there's some people after this guy because he has the idol and they want to kill him. And the idol is very, 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 very expensive, by the way. It's made out of solid ruby, red rubies. So um, it seems that there's a group after this man to take the idol from him and sell the take. – they're going to take the idol and kind of like tear it into pieces and sell it off. Um, so the man leaves and – a car full of uh, Hindus and turbans pops in and kidnaps this man. And Commissioner Gordon and, and uh, the police department go after him. And so does Bruce, of course. Because, anyways, it doesn't matter. So Bruce and Commissioner Gordon go after this car. And they get to the harbor where the group of Hindus stab the man in the chest and throw him into the river. And the police never find the body. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so Bruce Wayne goes off, and he it's, it's kind of funny. He keeps talking about wanting to write a story. And I thought it was just kind of like a, a jokey thing that he wants to write the story. But uh, I'm pretty sure he's writing for the Daily Globe. Or it's not the Daily Globe. It's a uh, – what, what newspaper is this? The Telegraph maybe? Um, but yeah, you've got that like little Superman thing, right? Um, I'll get to real world origin uh, one day, but there is a story that part of the uh, reason why they created Batman was to have someone to counterpart Superman. 
And so there, at least in these early stories, there is a little bit of Superman in Batman. So I guess maybe Bruce is a journalist at this point. I don't remember that from previous issues. Um, I know I see him reading the paper a lot, but I don't remember him writing a new story. Anyway, so they're reading the story about Sheldon Lennox, and uh, Batman goes after the idol. Um, and that leads him to a man named Sin Fang, who runs the Chinese and Oriental Curios shop. And uh, this is similar to a few issues ago, we were talking about Dr. Death, how Dr. Death had that pawn shop that he was pretending to be somebody else and running this pawn shop as. Uh, Sin Fang is, is kind of the same. He's got the Sin Fang uh, shop, which is, of course, every good villain should have their name posted on the front door of their place of business. And uh, Sin Fang's in there, and Batman's talking to him about the stolen idol, uh, the ruby idol. And Sin Fang's like, oh, you know, I, I didn't know it was stolen. Let me go and uh, get it for you. So Batman starts going with Sin Fang to see where this idol is. And he kind of knows that something's up, right? Because he's Batman. He knows everything. So he's like, uh, he, he's thinking to himself, he's like, you're a smooth talker, Sin Fang, but I'm wise to you. Uh, so anyways, he follows him anyway. And uh, they go down into the basement. And Batman is attacked by two Mongols wielding gigantic swords. And these are like very stereotypical, uh, stereotypical Mongolian uh, people, right? Uh, they attack him, and of course Batman fights back. And he kicks one of them into the other guy's sword. And so the guy is stabbed to death by his partner's sword. And uh, he knocks the other guy out, punches him in the jaw. Goes back to Sin Fang, and Sin Fang is like, uh, he says, Forgive me, the guard seeing your mask faced thought you were an enemy. It was purely an accident. And Batman says, I forgive you. Lead on, my friend. Of course, Batman knows what's up, right? <laughs> but Sin Fang is just, I don't know. I don't know if he thinks Batman's stupid or... <laughs> Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, so Batman and Sin Fang go in this room. Sin Fang, like, runs out and shuts the door on Batman. And we see uh, mustard gas starts coming out of a nozzle in the uh, in the ceiling. And we, we, we've seen this before, right? The, the, the this is like I said, this is very much like a Doc of Death story. Uh, it's slightly different, but it, it's there's a lot of similarities to this. Uh, unfortunately, Batman carries a lot on his utility belt, and one of the things that he carries is an anti mustard gas pill. So he pulls his pill out and throws it against the wall, and he renders the mustard gas useless. So. <laughs> After this, Sin Fang walks, walks back into the room, and he's like, uh, he, he apologizes to Batman. He's like, I just had a, um, another, or Batman says, I just had another little accident. You've got bad plumbing in your house, Sin Fang. There is gas escaping from the pipes. And Sin Fang says, tisk, tisk, I shall have it remedied at once. Um, <laughs> and he pulls a lever, and Batman falls down through a trap door, uh, to his quote-unquote watery grave. Uh, but of course, the water has to come from somewhere, and that somewhere is a pipe coming out of the wall. <laughs> and so as Batman's falling, he grabs his pipe and uh, manages to climb back out of this hole and uh, goes after Sin Fang. So of course, Sin Fang has the idol, right? And he reveals in this part um, who he really is. So he takes off his yellow skin gloves. Yes, they say that in the comic. 
and he washes the makeup off his face. And it turns out, as this is happening, Batman walks in. And it turns out that it's Sheldon Lennox, the guy that we saw at the beginning of the issue that was killed by the Hindus, or quote-unquote killed. Um, And so Batman confronts him, and and Sheldon Lennox reveals his plot that uh, he he and the real Sin Fang got into an argument over money, and he killed Sin Fang and dressed up like him. And, uh, of course, he speaks Chinese, so he he was able to pretend to be this Chinese man because of that. He tries to shoot Batman, and uh, Batman kind of gets out of the way, grabs the Ruby Idol, and he throws it at Lennox Sheldon, or yeah, at Sheldon Lennox's face. Uh, hits him in the face, knocks him out the window, and Sheldon Lennox drops to his death from the top of this building. Um, and it's uh, th- this one's actually a little gruesome, more gruesome than the other ones, it's because you know. Like I said, I'm going to keep a kill count because uh, there's a lot of people getting killed in these uh, detective stories. But this is the first one where, like, you see you see the whole thing. And there's actually blood, like, spilling out of uh, Sheldon Lennox's face as he's laying on the street. Um, and then, of course, the next day at police headquarters, you have uh, the nice line ending every issue. There's always something kind of humorous ending every one of these stories and it's commissioner gordon reading the newspaper and he says that batman he's done it again he's made he's making the police department look ridiculous i wish i could get my hands on him and bruce is just sitting in a chair smoking his pipe and kind of smiling so uh that is uh detective comics number 35 let's go on and talk about number 36 so detective 35 from february 1940 is called Batman Meets... Well, you know what? Let's not give it away. So, uh, the Batman... There's there's a drive-by shooting, and the Batman stops by, and there's a man laying on the ground, and the man's just saying, fog, fog, strange fog. And Batman's like, "What? what is going on? What is this man saying? And it turns out that this man is a G-man, uh, like a secret spy, a government agent. And he's got some information on a plot on the Metropolis. Remember, still not Gotham, the Metropolis. So Batman goes to investigate just what is going on. And then we get to meet the first actual supervillain of Batman. Because this issue is entitled Batman Meets Professor Hugo Strange. So Detective 36 is the first appearance of Hugo Strange, which if you're reading Batman now, it's, uh, it's cool because Strange has popped in in the, uh, in the current Batman series. Not, uh, not a big player, but he will be with the upcoming Night of the Monster Men uh, crossover story, the first Rebirth crossover story between the Bat titles. And uh, Strange is a very interesting character, and it's cool to uh, finally get to see his first appearance. I'd never read this issue before, surprisingly. Um, I knew it was the first Strange, but I just had never read it. But I do love Hugo Strange. I think he's a great villain. Um, they've played around with his origin and you know his personality quite a bit over the years. Um, and the, the current Strange, I think, is a little bit different than what we've seen in the past. He's, he's much bigger than we have seen. 
And he's always had that like weird infatuation with Batman where he kind of wants to be Batman. And I would say, like at least in terms of his intellect, he might be as smart as Bruce. But of course, in terms of his physical prowess, he's not quite Bruce, right? And so that's why he always kind of falls to the Batman. But yeah, so this is the first appearance of Professor Hugo Strange, which I would say this is also the first huge villain that we're introduced to. I'm not counting Doctor Strange or Doctor Death and, and the Monk too much yet, because uh, I don't think they're as big as Strange has become. And of course, Strange is in Gotham as well. He played a big part in the last season. You know, he's he's very much in in the Batman stories nowadays. So very cool to see the the first appearance of Strange. And it turns out that you know Doctor Strange has this plot to put a fog over the entire city. And that's what this G-Man was talking about. Uh, there's a, a device that Strange has built with the help of uh, electrical engineer Henry Jenkins that uh, Strange has kidnapped. And uh, that's why there's this giant fog over the city. Uh, but, of course, Batman figures it all out, and he goes after Strange. And he doesn't kill anybody in this issue. So this is the first issue that I've read since doing this podcast where Batman does not kill somebody, but he does beat up quite a few of strange goons. Uh, in fact, the first time he's uh, investigating where strange is, he knocks like six or seven guys out with, <laughs> with literally one punch. There is one punch and six dudes falling everywhere. Um, and it's funny because he says, uh, this boys is what they call a perfect strike on any bowling alley. Um, so very cool. Batman's got some really humorous lines in, uh, in some of these early, uh, detective stories. And, uh, it's cool because we don't see a whole lot of that. Right. I think, uh, over the years, a lot of those crazy one-liners were maybe given to Robin or some of the, the other Bat family characters, uh, once they were introduced and Batman became a little bit more serious, but, in, uh, in in much of the earlier runs, he did have some some funny stories. There is no Gordon in this story, though. Uh, we do see the police, and you know, they're kind of called upon the scene uh, because Batman takes out his gun from his utility belt and shoots up in the sky. Doesn't kill anybody. He just shoots up in the sky, and just the gunshot warns the police that they need to come to this warehouse where uh, Strange's goons are. Uh, but Strange is uh, is very pissed off that Batman has knocked out a bunch of his goons, so he sets a trap for him with uh, many more goons. There's uh, two, four, six, eight, at least nine guys um, kind of protecting Strange. But of course, Batman takes care of all of them fairly easily um, until one of them knocks him out uh, from behind and takes him to Strange's stronghold. And uh, Strange has him holed up in, in his warehouse, but Batman uses steel muscles, and a sudden strange or a sudden strength snaps his bonds. Uh, pretty cool, I guess. It's all that climbing on the silk uh, the silk rope, right? <laughs> because at this point he doesn't have uh, a fancy rope to to get help him climb up. He's still using that silk rope to go up buildings. Now I got to tell you, man, he must have 
some killer upper body strength if he's climbing up this rope everywhere he goes. Um, anyways, Strange tries to escape, but of course, Batman uses his uh, crazy jujitsu skills to tumble all over the warehouse with Strange and uh, apprehend him. And uh, the, the book ends with Bruce hanging out at home, listening to the radio about Strange being uh, apprehended by the Batman. And then it cuts to the state penitentiary where uh, Hugo Strange is holed up and he says, they can't keep me here caged like some kind of wild beast. I'll escape and when I do, I shall devote myself, I shall devote the rest of my life in avenge, in, yeah, in revenging myself upon the Batman. So, very cool, very cool. I, uh, I really enjoyed this issue. I wish it had been longer, right? Because these are still part of big 64-page detective comics with a lot of backup stories. So the Batman stories are still very short. Uh, this one was 13 pages, I believe. But, uh, yeah, first appearance of Hugo Strange. You should, go, uh, you should go read that. Let's go on to the next one. We have Detective Comics number 37. This is from uh, March of 1940, and it's called The Screaming House. There's really not much I want to say about this book. It's, uh, it's another one of those one-off stories, and uh, I don't think we ever see any of the characters in here again. Uh, there's Elias Turg and um, Carl, Al, a couple of other minor characters. But uh, it's, a, it's a cool detective-type story, and uh, that's what I really like about these early issues, is that you really see Bruce's mind at work. Um, there's no, again, there's no Batcave yet, right? Batman doesn't have a supercomputer, so he's still using his intellect to really find these criminals. Uh, and I'm not saying that, you know, using a computer isn't using your intellect, right? Like, he still has to sort through the data and try to figure out uh, things and piece the clues together. But, you know, at this time, he's still using the newspaper. He's got, you know, files on people. Uh, in this particular issue, he's trying to find who this turd guy is. And he opens up the phone book. You know, he's like, Turg's a pretty common name, I'm sure. It might take a minute, but there's only three Turgs in the phone book. Uh, so it's kind of easy for him to find the person that he's looking for. Um, but we do see an introduction of a new cool gadget. He, uh, he's he got, like, night vision goggles, which I don't even think they were invented at this point. I could be wrong. Uh, so if there's any, like, military history buffs out there, let me know. Um, I didn't look this up. But um, there's a few cool pages of, of Batman doing his detective work and trying to find out uh, more about Turg and, you know, this whole gang of people. Um, and a lot of it takes place in the dark as Batman's wearing his night vision goggles. So kind of cool to see, like, new gadgets popping up. And uh, just the, the type of detective work that really has become a staple, right, over the years because uh, Batman is the detective. I guess that's why they ended up giving Batman, or part of the reason why they ended up giving Detective Comics to Batman uh, stories, is that because he's, he's such a great detective, and that's, that's really what makes him such a good character, right? He's just one of us. Um, I guess maybe <laughs> with, with the huge upper body strength to uh, lift himself uh, up and down buildings with his silk rope, but... Uh, He's just a regular guy who just happens to be really smart and really good at what he does. So that's very cool. Uh, it's, uh, 
it's an okay issue, kind of fun, but uh, not much happens here that really impacts further stories. So let's go ahead and move on to Detective 38. Now, unlike that last issue, Detective 38 is a very, very, very important issue. Uh, it is the first appearance of Robin. So this issue is entitled Robin the Boy Wonder. It is from April of 1940, and again, it's Detective Comics number 38. So this is the first appearance, not only just Robin, but it's the first time we meet Dick Grayson, who uh, just so happens to be one of my all-time favorite comic book characters, aside from Bruce and Batman, of course. Um, but Dick, you know, Dick has warned a cow before. I think other than Bruce, Dick is, uh, I guess, my second favorite Batman. Uh, Dick has a lot of the same personality traits that Bruce does, but he's much more calm and collective and reasonable. I think, you know, Bruce has a lot of that guilt of his parents dying. And, uh, you know, Dick, Dick just does share some of that, you know. Uh, John and Mary Grayson, his parents, were killed in this issue. And so he's got that similar um, background as to maybe why he wants to fight crime and you know, to avenge his parents. But the way that Dick handles those deaths are, are very different from the way that Bruce has handled it. So, uh, yeah, Detective 38, first appearance of Dick Grayson, first appearance of Robin. Uh, it's also the first appearance of Bazuko, who is... Uh, the crime boss that uh, orders the Graysons to uh, be killed. Um, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about Detective Thirty Eight for a little bit. So of course, when uh, when this issue opens up, we get to meet Dick Grayson at the circus, the Haley Circus, and uh, he sees Mister Haley, the guy that runs the circus, talking to a couple of gangsters, and uh, they're you know they're telling him, "Hey, you need to pay us for protection, or you know something bad might happen to you." Um, so that night, there's a performance of the circus, and of course, the Flying Graysons, uh, Dick's parents, are the main attraction of the circus. And so they're doing their thing, and the ropes break under uh, Trapeze Act, and they fall to their debts. And, you know, Dick is super upset, of course, um, and he kind of overhears the goons talking to Mr. Haley later on that night saying, hey, you know, you don't want any more accidents to happen. You better pay us or, you know, there will be some more accidents. And um, Batman hears about all this and he shows up to the circus and picks up Dick and says, uh, you know, I'm the Batman. I'm here to help you. Uh, we're going to find these, these people that killed your parents. Um, but just come with me for your protection. You need to come with me and stay uh, at my home and, uh, and I'll keep you safe. And Batman you know, tells Dick the whole story about Martha and, and Thomas being killed, uh, just like his parents were killed by, uh, by crooks. And Dick's like, you know, I, I want what you do. I, I want to be like you. I want to avenge my parents and be a crime fighter in, in many respects. So when they get back to Bruce's home, uh, <laughs> there's, it's kind of a funny panel when you think about it. Um, but it's it's really touching. Uh, Bruce and and Dick are in front of a candle, and they swear an oath to each other um, that they're going to stop crime and corruption together, and you know serve the path of righteousness. And uh, it's it's cool, right? Because this is this is the first 
Yeah, it, it, it's the first Robin, right? But this is really what starts setting up Bat family members uh, going forward. And this is something that Bruce still struggles with a lot. Um, if, you, if you're reading Detective now, you know, he, Bruce has a whole crew that he's running with, right? Spoiler, Clayface, and Tim, uh, Batwoman. And there's also the storyline with Duke, where Bruce has trained many Robins, right? Uh, Duke is, of course, the, was a central character in We Are Robin. Um, but now he's not quite Robin, right? Because Duke doesn't want to be just a Robin. And uh, it's interesting because Bruce doesn't want him to be a Robin either. Um, and I, I was talking to Daryl about this the other day, and actually I brought it up on Gotham by Geeks, and uh, how Bruce is maybe training Duke to be more than just Robin, because Robin's always a sidekick, right? And whenever the Robins decide to go on their own, they change their name or their costume or their MO. You know, Dick has, has become Nightwing now. That's very different from, from a Robin. Uh, Tim went on to be the Red Robin, so he's got that Robin in the title, but you know, he went on, on his own. He found his own identity. I guess to some extent you can say the same thing about Jason, although I've never been a big fan of Jason. Uh, but I do like the current Red Hood incarnation. Because um, he's got a lot of that morality that he learned from Bruce when he was Robin, very briefly. But, you know, Red Hood has his own morality as well. And he has no issue killing people. Um, unlike, you know, what Bruce slash Batman would become and teach him, really. Um, same with same with Dick and Tim. Um, and I guess some of the other Robins as well. But you see, uh, you see quite a few panels of uh, Bruce training Dick. So they're, yeah, of course, they're doing the trapeze act, which Dick is great at because that's what he grew up doing in the circus. Uh, you see Bruce training him. Uh, they're doing, like, boxing training, jiu-jitsu training. And uh, that's kind of – that page ends with a panel of Dick dressed as the first Robin, the boy wonder. Uh, so very, uh, very cool origin story. Um, and it's nice to see these two characters bonding. Because, uh, you know, it's been, I guess this would be, what, 76 years of Dick Grayson. So that's a, that's a long, that's a lot of history between these two characters. And it's very cool to read the beginning of that in, uh, in this detective comic story. It's also nice because you get to see a lot of Tim as Robin in this book. You know, we're, I mean, okay, so this is the first year of Batman, I get it. But every story has been just Batman, right? And uh, there is quite a bit of Batman doing his Batman thing, you know, flying through windows and, uh, you know, fighting criminals and all that. But you also see that with Robin. So you can tell, like, even though he hasn't been with Bruce for very long, he, he is very key to what this book ends up becoming. Um, and that's important, you know. Um, and the thing is, everybody knows Batman, right? Batman is, is a legend now in the city because he's been, he's been fighting crime on his own for so long, but throwing Dick into the mix just adds a new rub to the whole thing because these criminals have no idea who this kid is. Right. And he's so, so athletic because of a circus background that there's a lot of things that we see Batman do that Dick does like twice as good because of his acrobatics background. Uh, Like there's a scene here where, one of the gangsters is trying to escape from uh, Batman Robin's attack 
on their stronghold. And they're like in a building that's being built, right? So it's like a steel frame still. And one of them's like walking across a beam. And, you know, Dick's like swinging on ropes and like flying through these beams and doing all these somersaults um, and knocking this. And he knocks this guy off of the, the steel frame. And uh, it's just cool to see. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, of course, they they get Zuko, and uh, they kind of Zuko kind of confesses to the whole thing of uh, killing the Graysons, and uh, he gets arrested. And uh, it it still ends with that funny thing, right? Like they they come to a conclusion, like you know, your parents have been avenged. Um, are you going back to circus life? Is what Bruce asks Dick, and Dick's like, no, I think mom and dad would like me to go on fighting crime. And as for me, I love adventure. So they kind of turn this kind of sad story a little bit on its heels and uh, end it in a comical way, as they usually do. Um, and Bruce says, okay, you reckless young squirt. I ought to wail you for jumping those men alone. Why don't you wait for me? And Dick says, oh, I didn't want to miss any of the fun. Say, I can hardly wait to go on our next case. I bet it'll be a corker. I don't know what a corker is. It must be some 40s slang. Um, but it's cool. I like uh, I like the introduction of Dick. I thought it was a great issue, and it added a new dynamic to Batman that uh, wasn't there before, right? And I've I've read some stories about why uh, Dick was introduced, and uh, I, one of these days I'm going to do like a history of because uh, you know it's so fascinating how these characters get introduced into what like their their real life origin is. Um, from my understanding, a lot of uh, Dick came from Jerry Robinson, um, which is part of the reason why Robin is in the name, to like an homage to himself, I guess. Um, but of course, if you know about history, you know that Bob Kane kind of didn't give anybody else credit. So for a long time, everybody just thought Bob Kane is the guy that creates all these characters, and that's that's not true at all. But uh, yeah, it, it's. It's cool that they introduced them because what they were trying to do was give Batman a new audience. And they wanted kids to be able to relate to this book better. And so that's why they gave Batman a kid sidekick is to appeal to those kids. Um, And I don't know how things were in the 40s. But, you know, nowadays there's a lot of adults reading comics. Uh, part of the reason for that is, you know, we all grew up reading comics and we started when we were kids. Uh, so I find that kind of interesting as a, a real life side story because I, I grew up reading Batman and I didn't feel like I needed a sidekick. Um, although I will say one of one of my earlier Bat stories, um, one of my favorite Bat stories even is Batman 480. And that has some really touching moments with, uh, with Dick Grayson or not with Dick, with, uh, Tim Drake, who is my favorite Robin. And, uh, yeah, sorry guys. Dick is a great Batman and he's a great Robin, but I think Tim is a better Robin. And, uh, but I, I was reading for Batman. Like to me back then, the, the side characters weren't as important. Now that I've been reading for a long time, I really dig those characters. And in some stories, they even stand out more than, than Batman slash Bruce does. But, uh, yeah, really great issue. I, I highly, highly, highly recommend that you read 
uh, Detective Comics number 38, first appearance of Dick Grayson, and of course, Robin the Boy Wonder. So I guess now it's time that we get into Batman number one. So Batman number one is uh, it's an oversized issue. It's from May of 1940, and there are quite a few firsts in Batman volume one number one. Uh, this actually has a few different stories, so um, I'll talk a little bit about each of the stories. Uh, the first one is uh, kind of important, I would say, because it is the first appearance of uh, of the Joker. So let's talk about that, huh? Um, first, we do get the legend of the Batman, who he is and how he came to be. And that just retells a story that we saw in Detective a few issues ago. I guess I talked about that last episode. Um, it retells the story of uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne getting killed by Joe Chill. And uh, so you get that story and why it is that Batman wears the costume that he wears. Because criminals are superstitious and, of course, they're afraid of bats. Um, so then we have the story of the Joker. Of course, it is the first appearance of the Joker. And... Um, the Joker announces on the radio that he's going to kill uh, Henry Claridge and steal uh, his diamonds. And so, of course, the cops are set up at Claridge's house, um, but the Joker still manages to kill Claridge and steal the diamonds. And the Joker uses his Venom, which the Venom has evolved quite a bit over the years. Uh, we do see, of course, whenever we get to, to Bane stuff into the 90s, um, Bane and Venom are very much tied together. Um, but so now the, the Venom is still very much a tool that the Joker uses. It's a gas that you know kind of either puts people to sleep or turns them into zombies, kind of, um, or outright kills them. Um, anyways, the Joker in this story kind of goes into killing spree. He kills uh, a couple regular citizens. He kills a gangster. Uh, Bruce Nelson, um, and of course Bruce and Dick are after the Joker, uh, and he manages to escape from their grasp uh, a few different times because, of course, he is the Joker. And uh, I know I talked about Hugo Strange being the first major villain, but I have a very fond place in my heart for the Joker. And even though this Joker is still a little bit different from what he ends up becoming in more modern stories. Um, he is still the Joker, right? He, he's, he's a murderous criminal, right? But he does it kind of laughing all the time because he is the Joker. Uh, the clown prince of crime, I guess you would say. Um, a lot of, I, I see a lot of this Joker in the, the Dark Knight story, the movie, the uh, Christopher Nolan movie. Um, maybe a little more insane in that he still... I would say he's still a little campy in uh, in Batman number one, but uh, the fact that he's like the the criminal of criminals, right? Um, and he he plays other criminals for his own self interest. I think it's uh, it's very interesting and kind of at the core of this character uh, through through some iterations, not all iterations of the Joker, but through some at least. Um, anyways, uh, of course, Batman does end up capturing the Joker. Uh, in the end of the story, and uh, locks him up in the state penitentiary. And of course, like Hugo Strange, the Joker says, they can't keep me here. I know of a way out. The Joker will have the last laugh. 
Um, of course, that's after Dick and, and Bruce are, are talking about finally capturing this diabolical killer. Um, and it's plastered all over the papers. You know, Batman captures the Joker. So, cool story. Um, the the costume is very classic, of course. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny that the Joker's look hasn't changed a whole lot. You know, he still he has the purple suit uh, with the little necktie, uh, the purple gloves, the green hair, the white face, uh, the big smile, of course. Um, it's very cool that uh, that the Joker, the Joker's look hasn't changed terribly much throughout the years. Um, so, yeah, first appearance of the Joker. Be sure to read that because, of course, the Joker is... You can't really have the Joker or Batman without the Joker nowadays, right? So catch the first appearance of the Joker here. Uh, the next story is the Giants of Hugo Strange. So first time we're seeing a recurring villain in Hugo Strange. And the story is, of course, the first appearance of the Monster Men. So I teased a little bit earlier how the Monster Men is going to be the, the first crossover of DC Rebirth. This is the first appearance of the Monster Men. So Doctor Strange uh, creates this growth formula, and uh, he he uses it on his uh, on other inmates at the asylum, and turns them into ten foot giant man monsters. That's of course why they're called the Monster Men, and uh, they wreak havoc on the city. Um, Batman is captured and injected with the serum, but he is Batman, so he manages to escape and create an antidote for uh, Strange's growth serum. Batman. Ends up finding Strange uh, a little bit later and knocks him through a window and into uh, into the river. Uh, so, of course, Strange it manages to get away. Um, but Batman tries to go after him and captures some of Strange's henchmen and the monster men. And I guess he kills quite a few of them. Uh, he's on the Batplane, so he's got machine guns on the Batplane. And... Uh, you know how I said he doesn't kill as many people? Well, he kills a lot in this particular story. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he, he captures the monster men. And uh, well, that's kind of the end of that. Uh, next story is The Cat, which is the first appearance of, well, The Cat. Actually, before I talk about that, uh, the monster men story is kind of cool. It's very much like uh, King Kong which I guess would still be like a very new movie at the time that this issue came out. So there are a lot of similarities um, between King Kong and this Monster Man, this first Monster Man story. Um, you know, Batman even like grabs one of the Monster Men with, uh, there's a rope on the Batplane, and uh, you, see <laughs> you see one of the Monster Men atop of what looks like the Empire State Building. Um, and of course, he he's up there, you know, banging his chest just like King Kong does. And I mean, th this is pretty much straight out of that movie. You know, Batman's going around in his bat plane, shooting at the Monster Man, and um, throws his gas on him, and kind of the Monster Man falls off the building and dies. Um, yeah, pretty cool. So let's let's talk about the Cat. So this is of course an early Catwoman story. Uh, so there is a, a little bit of a twist, but you know, it is a, a jewel thief story. Uh, Batman and uh, Robin are on a cruise ship, and uh, there's a woman, Mrs. Travers, and she's got a very expensive emerald necklace. And uh, there are some gangsters that, of course, after uh, Mrs. Travers, 
to want to kind of grab her and take the necklace because it's super expensive. Anyways, there's a big fight between Batman and Robin and the gangsters. Of course, they end up stopping these mobsters and uh, not letting him take the necklace. And it turns out that Mrs. Travers is actually a disguise. And the whole time they've been protecting the cat who has stolen this necklace. Um, And, you know, Batman is super surprised at the end of the story when <laughs> when he, uh, he he manages to grab him and well, actually Dick grabs Mrs. Travers who's trying to escape, um, but Batman pulls a mask off of Mrs. Travers and it turns out that it's a beautiful young woman and uh, he's super surprised and as, as at, you know he's he when he's caught by surprise the cat kicks him in the balls, <laughs> but you know he. He, he grabs the, uh, the necklace uh, that the cat has bandaged up uh, on her leg and uh, they kind of let the cat go. I want to say they let her go. She, she technically escapes, right? They're, Batman and Robin get in a speedboat with the cat and they're going to go off. Um, this is not like a bat boat, I think. They don't at least call it that. Uh, they're on a speedboat. But she jumps overboard. Uh, but I think part of that is that Bruce is still kind of aghast uh, and very kind of smitten with this woman. There's actually a couple panels where they play on that. Uh, the cat says, Batman, I was supposed to give Denny half the jewels. Why don't you come with me as a partner? You and I together, you and I king and queen of crime. We'd make a great team with you as my partner. We, and he interrupts, interrupts. Sorry, your proposition tempts me, but we work on different sides of the law. Let's go. Uh, very cool. So first appearance of the cat, and the last story is The Joker Returns. So you get two Joker stories in one uh, with this issue. And uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, we, we saw in the last story that the Joker promised that he would escape. And uh, <laughs> the way he escapes is that he has hidden explosives in his teeth. The Joker's got false teeth. and He takes these explosives out and breaks himself out of jail. Uh, so uh, Dick and Bruce hear about this on, on the radio, uh, on the news, and uh, they, of course, go after the Joker because they think that he is seeking revenge for them catching him. So again, the, the Joker manages to grab or to kill the, the police chief. Um, in, in the last story, he had pretended to be him to kind of get at one of the judges. Um, and this one actually kills him with a dart, uh, a venom dart. Um, and he goes and says that he's going to steal Cleopatra's necklace, uh, which there was a big infatuation with Egyptian culture at this time. So I'm not surprised they would choose that. Uh, this is, you know, the time when uh, they're they're diving into the Great Pyramids and uh, they're finding all these tombs and secret treasure that are hidden within those tombs. Um, so there's there's a lot in pop culture with relation to Egyptian history and and mythology. So it's it's cool to see. Um, but yeah, so the Joker's trying to rob this museum and, uh, Bruce and Dick go after him, of course, and they, they fight. Joker tries to kind of run away and Dick, um, Dick like jumps on him or Dick falls down on the Joker and Batman and Joker start fighting and the Joker is of course a little crazy and he stabs himself. Uh, so when this happens, Batman and Robin leave and then the police show up. Um, and it turns out that, of course, he's not dead, but he is apprehended by the police. So another cool story of the Joker 
Um, nice to see him be iterated on so quickly because, again, he is one of my favorites. So, of course, there's, there's a few things we should talk about. Um, even though this is the first appearance of the Joker, chronologically, it is not the first time the Joker pops up. Um, and for those of you that are familiar with the, uh, the Red Hood story, chronologically, uh, the first time the Joker appears would be Detective Comics 168. And uh, that is a Red Hood flashback story that happens before the events of Batman number one. Um, by, by Batman number one, the world already knows of the Joker. So um, that's something that uh, you should keep in mind if you want to read this chronologically in terms of the story. And if somebody has created a timeline for that, then God bless you. You have way too much time on your hands. Uh, the same goes with the cat, who, of course, we know is Catwoman. This is her first appearance as well. But chronologically, there is an earlier appearance, uh, both in Batman 52 and in Brave and the Bold number 197. Um, so keep that in mind as well if you want to read something about the cat before the events of Batman number one. Uh, what I found interesting was that even though Dr. Strange or Hugo Strange um, was locked up in the penitentiary in, uh, in Detective Comics, that in Monster Man, he is locked up in an asylum. And even though it's not referred to as Arkham Asylum, uh, it's probably pretty safe to say that that would be like a, a prototype Arkham Asylum, right? Um, the Earth 2 counterpart to what we know as the Arkham Asylum. So keep that in mind as well. Um, but if you're, if you're into the Monster Man story, I, I really suggest you read that. Because that's, that's a concept that has been reiterated on several times as, as Strange evolves throughout Batman history. And lastly, a little fun bit of trivia. If you don't want to read this Batman number one, I don't know why you wouldn't. You really should. It's a part of history. Uh, but Batman, The Man Who Laughs, which was a, a graphic novel from 05, that pretty much retells the story of The Joker and The Joker Returns, the, uh, the two short stories in this issue. Um, it retells that story. And, of course, it's a little bit darker and much more modernized because it is a newer story. And, you know, like I said, you see a lot of, of this story in the dark Knight. Um, the, the man who laughs is a huge inspiration for that movie, which actually I'll be watching tonight because like I said, at the beginning of the episode, it is Batman day. So as part of my celebration, I do intend to watch the Nolan trilogy today. Um, hopefully I can finish it <laughs> because it's going to be a very long day. Um, but yeah, let me know how you will be celebrating Batman Day, or how you celebrated it, I guess, because uh, by the time you listen to this, it may already be over. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Geekvine. The show uh, doesn't have a Twitter account, so that's the best place to reach me. Hello at NerdLegion.com is the email address. Let me know if you are reading these books. Uh, I know uh, I've, I've been talking to Glenn Clark on Facebook, and uh, he, he enjoyed the first episode. He's not sure like how he's going to dive in to this early stuff. Um, but I know he's, he's buying a bunch of books. Um, cause he also listens to Gotham by geeks. And, uh, I'm also shutting that out again. Cause that's a great podcast with some great friends of mine. Um, so if you're a Batman fanatic as I am, be sure to check that out. It's on Taylor network of podcast.com. And of course, check out all the other nerdy Legion podcasts at nerdylegion.com, Valiant central aftershock central, uh, rebirthically, off the ropes, what did you watch this week? Whatever, we've got a little bit for everybody. Uh, next 
episode will be out on Wednesday, episode three. So be sure to catch that when we'll be back on schedule. Um, again, if you want me to do some Elseworld stories to kind of uh, break up some of this Golden Age stuff, let me know. And I guess uh, until next time, stay baddie, guys.